Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Jeremiah 33, we're going to read one verse of Scripture. Well, let's, let's read, I'm going to read three, actually. Starting there in verse 1, Jeremiah chapter 33. Starting in verse 1, it says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is His name. Verse 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Let's pray. Fathers, we open Your Word to study this morning. Lord, just speak to our hearts. Help us to apply the lessons that we learn about prayer to our daily lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, the title of the message this morning is I Can Pray. Let me ask you a question. If I said the name Jarvik to you, does that ring a bell? Jarvik. J-A-R-V-I-K. Jarvik. What about Jarvik 7? Many of you may be thinking this is something Russian space. Jarvik 7. What about, what about Barney Clark? Does that ring a bell? <laughs> 38 years ago this week, overnight, December 1st to 2nd, Barney Clark, a retired dentist from Seattle, Washington, became the first person to receive a permanently attached artificial heart. You remember, it was all in the news. 1982, December 1982. 38 years ago this week, it happened at the University of Utah Hospital there in Salt Lake City. He received the Jarvik 7 artificial heart developed by Dr. Robert Jarvie. And uh, this week as I began preparing for this message and thinking about some of this and looking back at some of the stuff on YouTube, the old news footage, it dominated the news cycle. And I can remember as a little bitty boy, it was on the news every night. How's Barney Clark doing it? You remember he was had the, the heart and he had tubes coming out and he had a 400 pound air compressor that he would be attached to for the rest of his life. Now, he was uh, described as a tough old guy. Had a zest for life. Barney did. and He was considered a hero because of his willingness to undergo this procedure to, to have this artificial heart put in. His medical journey was documented every night on news. Barney got that heart on December 2nd, 1982. He was able to celebrate Christmas with his family, ring in the new year, 1983, January 1. 
He celebrated his 62nd birthday, January 21st, 1983. And he got to celebrate his 39th wedding anniversary with his wife. But sadly, on the 23rd day of March, 1983, this fun-loving, golf-playing, retired dentist from Seattle passed away. 112 days into his medical journey. He basically had come down with an infection that turned into pneumonia, and the antibiotics that they were giving him to try to stem the pneumonia caused his organs to shut down. So he had complete, complete organ failure. But he was pronounced dead when the doctor reached and cut the key off that turned that automatic artificial heart off. Dr. William DeVries made this statement. He said, the heart could not support the rest of the body, and the body died. One of the most serious physical conditions that we can have is very common. Heart failure. That's what Barney Clark suffered from, heart failure. Heart failure is defined by the American Heart Association as a chronic progressive condition in which the heart muscle is unable to pump enough blood to meet the body's demands for oxygen. Basically, the heart just can't keep up with the workload. And so, at first, the body undergoes some changes to try to compensate. The heart enlarges so that when it contracts, it's got more force. It develops more muscle mass as the, the, the individual cells that are responsible for the contraction of the heart get bigger so that it can be more forceful as it pumps. The heart begins to beat faster to kind of over, try to compensate for the lack of blood flow. The blood, ves blood vessels in your body narrow to try to keep the blood pressure up. And then finally the body begins to divert necessary blood flow to the unnecessary tissue, or the, the less necessary tissues, and then finally the organs and the brain, kidneys and such as that. The temporary measures that the body does to compensate for this eventually get to the point where they're not keeping up. And that's when we usually have the symptoms when we go to the doctor and find out that's what you've got. If left untreated, it can be deadly. But heart failure is the, the, one of the worst physical problems we can have. and so common. What about our spiritual life? What about our spiritual life? When we think about our spiritual life, one of the most serious spiritual conditions we can have is that of prayer failure. Prayer failure. I heard another pastor say this. He said, you don't have a problem in your life and I don't have a problem in my life. But what properly analyzed is a prayer failure. Seems fair enough. There's not a sin in my life or yours that proper prayer would not have avoided. There's not a need in my life or yours that proper prayer couldn't meet. Prayer is one of the most blessed opportunities we have as a Christian. By prayer we get to talk to Almighty God, Creator of the universe, our Savior, our Sustainer, but it's so often not used. So often not used. The uh, For many of us, it, prayer is just something we don't do as much as we ought to. 
It could be an alternative to action. I know so many times we get asked to do things in church, whether it be singing or serving, in some way teaching. And what do we say? Oh, let me pray about it. It becomes an excuse to not act. Now, sometimes we say, let me pray about it, and we're sincere. But we've really got down deep inside the core. It's a stall tactic. Let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. For most of us, if we're really honest, prayer is a source of power that goes untapped. We choose not to use it. And so prayer failure is one of the biggest spiritual health problems that we face. But I want us to see this morning in this one verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. So we look at that passage and look at what God told Jeremiah. It's the same words that He has for us today. Because God never changes. His Word never changes. And His, His nature never changes. And so, let's look at that together as we think about the fact that we can pray. First thing I want us to see is God's command to pray. God's command to pray. He says there in verse 3, He says, Call to me. Call to me. Now that Hebrew word for call is an imperative. He expects it. He says, Call unto me. It's a command. Now, the background of this passage, Jeremiah has been prophesying there in the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom has already been taken away captive some hundred years before. And now the city of Jerusalem is under siege. The Babylonian army has surrounded it. It's, it's under siege. And Jeremiah is telling what God tells him to say. In that previous chapter there, chapter 32, it says that, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the tenth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah. I mean, 32, verses 1 and 2. It says, The army of the king of Babylon was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. Now Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says, I'm about to hand this city over to the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape out of the hands of the Babylonians, but will certainly be handed over to the king of Babylon, and will speak with him face to face, and see him with his own eyes. So, Zedekiah didn't like this prophecy. So he had Jeremiah thrown in jail. That's where we get this background. Jeremiah's in jail here for preaching the truth. It's a common theme. In the Bible, people preach the truth. They get thrown in jail. We talked about that the other week. But God commands Jeremiah to call unto him. Call unto him. God commands us to pray. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. In Luke, the 18th chapter, when he was telling the parable of the persistent widow. Listen to this from Luke 18. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, 
I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? We ought always to pray, but we don't. Prayer is a command. God commands us to pray. Why? Well, for one thing, God created us to have a relationship with Him. He wants that relationship with us. And when we pray, that's not only us talking to God, but it gives Him a chance to talk back to us. If you don't have communication, you can't have a relationship. Lack of communication causes a lot of problems. I heard a story of a, an older lady. She was very refined, very elegant, and she decided that she was going to go on a camping trip in Florida. And so she had picked out the campground that she wanted to visit, and she was curious, being an elegant lady, she wanted to know about their bathroom facilities. And, but she just, as she wrote the letter to the campground uh, overseer, she, she just couldn't bear to write the word toilet facilities. It just bothered her. She was so prim and proper. So she thought a little bit, and she said, well, let me, let me use that old, older term, bathroom commode. And she wrote that, and she didn't like the way that sounded either, so she erased it. She finally decided to just use the initials B.C. So she wrote to the campground and she wanted to know if there was a B.C. in the campground. Campground uh, overseer got the letter and he read her letter and he was puzzled. He didn't know what B.C. stood for. He passed it around to all of his staff and they, they couldn't figure out what B.C. Finally he decided that she must be talking about Baptist Church. <laughs> and so he wrote her a very eloquent letter back. My dearest madam, you'll be happy to know that the nearest B.C. is nine miles north of the camp. Now that seems like quite a distance if you're accustomed to going very regularly. But I can assure you that many people choose to just take a lunch and make a day of it. It seats 250 people. And oh, by the way, if you decide to come to our campground, my wife and I will be happy to escort you to the B.C., and introduce you to some of the other people there. Lack of communication causes problems. This man got confused thinking she was talking about Baptist Church. We're commanded to pray because God wants that relationship with us. He wants to hear from us. He wants to communicate. But like I said before, prayer is just not just us talking to God. It gives, gives God a chance to communicate back with us. Prayer is one of those ways that God gives us that divine knowledge. James 1 and verse 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all who, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's James 1 and verse 5. We're to pray about everything. We're to keep praying. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Now, Jeremiah had been praying to God in that previous chapter. And God tells him here in verse 33, well, chapter 33, verse 3, keep on praying. Call unto me. Don't stop. Prayerlessness is a sin. If we choose not to pray, it's a sin. Listen to 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23. 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23 says these words, 
I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. If we don't pray, we're sinning. God wants to hear from us. He commands, God commands us to pray. You think about it, if we pray to God, what are we really saying? We're saying, you're there, you exist. You don't talk to somebody that you don't think exists. You're showing that you, you know He's there. You know that He's there listening. I know we've all done this. We'd be on the telephone talking to somebody and we're just yammering on about our story and we get about two-thirds of the way through and we stop finally to take a breath only to find out that the call has dropped and the other line is dead and they missed half of our story. You kind of feel silly. You kind of feel silly. But it doesn't make us feel silly talking to God, or at least it shouldn't. No. Because He's there listening. He's always listening. We know He's there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking to Him. There's a command by God. God commands us to pray. But secondly, I want us to see the second thing in this verse. In Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. God's commitment to answer. God commands us to pray, but then God gives us a commitment that He will answer. Look back at that verse. He says, Call to Me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He says, I will answer. He will answer. That's a promise. But sometimes we may think He's not answering. But He is. He's going to answer in one of three ways. He's either going to say go, no, or woe. He may say go, yes. Here's what you've been asking for and here it is. You remember I told you last week when Renee was sick and I was really low and I was really needing some peace. And I prayed for that peace and I got it immediately. God said yes in that instance. Maybe there are other times in your life you've prayed and God said no. That's happened to me before. Sometimes we're glad He says no once we look back in the rearview mirror. Ruth Graham, which was Billy's wife, said that, that she'd not paid attention to God saying no. She would have married the wrong man three different times before Billy came along. She prayed and prayed for this man to be the one. God said no. That happened three times before she met Billy. So we have to trust God when He says no. We have to trust Him when He says yes. But we also have to trust Him when, we, when He says, whoa, hold up. It's not the right time yet. Wait on something better. You might want this, but I've got something better in store. Just hold your horses. Whoa. And I've got something better coming down the road. 1 John 5 and verse 15 says, And if we know that He hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what he, we ask of Him. But it's according to His will. It's according to His will. We don't, we don't want something that's not out of the will of God. It, you know, if, it's, if it's not the will of God, we don't want it. Because what He provides for us is best. But we can't always see that. We can't always see the forest for the trees. But as children of God, we shouldn't want anything it's not in His will. Is it Jeremiah 29.11? Plan, I have plans for you to prosper you. That's what 
God has. God will answer. He gives us that commitment that He will answer. He commands us to pray. He gives us a commitment that He will answer. He wants to hear from us. But thirdly, I want us to see this last thing here. God's covenant of promise. If you skip on down in that chapter 33, look at verse 14. God's covenant of promise. Verse 14 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord our righteousness. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Nor will the priest who are the Levites ever fail to have a man to stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. God was revealing here His covenant promise to Israel. His promise to David to have a man sit upon the throne. Now we know now that that's the Lord Jesus came from the line of David. But He's not sitting on David's throne right now. Where is He? He's at the right hand of the Father. And we anticipate His second coming at any moment. He's speaking here of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah wrote in, in the ninth chapter there of Isaiah, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. The promise is made to us. If we by faith come to Him, we'll be saved. And that church is our hope as we talked about hope this morning with our Advent wreath. We lit the candle of hope. Christ is our hope because we can pray and we know that He listens. He commands us to pray. He gives us a commitment that He'll answer. And He gives us that covenant of promise, that covenant of hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you laid your hope on Him today? Is Jesus Christ your hope? Have you made that an absolute certainty? Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come unto him and dine with him and he with me. That's another promise he makes. If we'll only trust him. If there's some need in your life this morning that you need to talk to God about, the altar is always open. But we can pray. And we have a promise that He will answer. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the gift of prayer. Be able to talk to You. And for us to be able to hear from You, Lord, and let You give us that 
divine wisdom and divine knowledge that we ask for. Father, help us to wait on You when You say wait. Help us to act when You say go. And help us to trust You when You say no. But we know You will answer, Lord. And we're thankful for that. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us where we don't pray as we ought. Where we don't pray as often as we ought to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.